This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you with no additional commercial interruption as a thank you to our loyal fans. We appreciate all that you do, whether it's sharing the show and getting the word out, clicking on our sponsored links in episode descriptions, or going to the Sponsor the Show section of nerdcognito.com and using our affiliate links or sending us a couple of bucks for a beer. It is greatly appreciated, and the least that we can do is pay it forward. So here you go. No additional interruptions on this week's show. Oh, Bert, Bert, Bert. It is Bert. That's a t- what, a, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I have no idea, Ryan. What are you doing? I was calling your name three times like Candyman. Uh, my name is Ryan David. I am joined by Bert, and apparently I've lost my mind tonight. Uh, how you doing, Bert? Well, I mean, I, obviously I've become Beetlejuice at this point, but I'm doing all right. Well, that would be great because there are some people that I need you to take care of for me on the Twitter machine. Oh, we got all sorts of goodness on tap this week, Bert. We're going to talk about the board game that is lighting up the world, so to speak, Ark Nova. We had the fortune of a copy coming our way. So Ark Nova, of course, that'll be on the flip side of the news. We, of course, have the news. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to shoot some shit with you this week. You were an Ocarina of Time fan. I think everybody was an Ocarina of Time fan, right? Yeah, I mean, who didn't love the game? I mean, it was uh, a new departure for Zelda. There were a lot of great new mechanics that were introduced. Uh, It was fun to play. And at the time, it was a beautiful game to look at. Oh, it was a beautiful game. Great soundtrack. It was cutting edge. Now, I don't remember. I know, I'm going to get crucified. What kind of gamer are you? Um, But I don't remember. Did that need the memory expansion pack for the N64? Or am I thinking of a different game that required it? Did Ocarina of Time require the memory expansion? I think it... I thought it did. Maybe maybe it was Majora's that required it. I don't don't remember. But, um, yeah, it definitely pushed the limits of the hardware to the max. Well, it's doing it again. The HD PC remaster of Ocarina of Time is now available for download, Bert, with some caveats. Okay. <laughs> what are the caveats? Well, you know, this is a labor of love. It was a fan project, and Nintendo ended up shutting them down more than once. Obviously, what they eventually were able to do was effectively release the shell and the front end for it and you have to provide your own package so to say speak now we at nerd cognito absolutely abhor and discourage all forms of piracy without a doubt i mean we're content creators right piracy is just anally raping the smallest of the small, all the way up, because you hear the argument, well, it doesn't really hurt anybody. It hurts everybody. It hurts everybody. I, I just, oh, do I dare pull, I, I was dealing with some of these dick stacks on the internet today, because talking about, specifically, the Zelda PC release, and the fact that you need to bring your own, quote, package, you can read that as an Ocarina of Time ROM, Okay. I was saying, you know, it's all well and good. And I I really love the project. I really love what they did. You can tell that these guys poured their heart into it. But after Nintendo did what they did and forced them to release it the way they released it, I'm very torn. Yeah, I'm I mean, so very torn. And that's the thing. I mean, when you're talking about taking somebody else's intellectual property and you know, playing with it. It's one thing when you're talking about things that are sanctioned, like look at, uh, look at the dark sun shit, right? Wizard said, have it, do it, release it. Or even things like, um, what are they called in fallout or Skyrim mods, 
mods, fan, you know, fan mods and things like that. Bethesda chose to allow that, gave people a, you know, a, a format to, you know, put their mods out there, create mods, modify their own games. That that's one thing, but going after taking somebody else's intellectual property and messing around with it, like you said, I can't condone piracy, you know. And I really want to play this, and I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> and it's not even for lack of availability of the package. You know, anyone that is a six-year-old on the internet can find a ROM. Sure. I just don't know. And I've seen other projects. You know, there was a, a Chrono Trigger that was being rebuilt 3D from the ground up that Square put the kibosh on and the developers said, in my opinion, did the right thing and walked away. Said, look, we, we tried. This was our intention. We weren't going to make money from it. Yada, yada, yada. But we were shut down and we were shut down and that's the end of it. These guys <laughs> continued and I get it. I get it. I'm not shitting on them for continuing. No, I mean, it's okay to love something and it's okay to want to leave your mark on that thing or make try try to make that thing better but but when you're you know, you releasing have... something that implicitly requires the end user to pirate cuz let's face it I can't go and say hey Nintendo I want to buy a rom of Ocarina of Time no you cannot so the only option depending on where you live is illegal or le- or legally gray right and that's that's something that I can't get behind you know if it requires me to do something that's that shady you know if it required me to pay an extra fee okay you know oh you have to have this product first we've all seen a lot of that oh, absolutely you know? right but and if it requires me to take an action that is you know morally or legally you know shady like that i don't think that i'm going to be pursuing it no matter how much i love that game and i've really grown into this role too because Teens, early 20s, bleeding edge of computing and tech. Uh, I was all about wherever I can get it, whenever I could get it, wave the black flag. But not until I realized the implications that really, really do hit home for the small guy. When you say, you know, you know Nintendo's a multi-billion dollar company, This isn't hurting them. You're absolutely right. It's not hurting them. But it's hurting the two or three developers that aren't going to have a job because of it. Right. I mean, absolutely. Uh, The the more that I think about, you know, sort of fandom and, you know, we're nerds. We love all all this crazy stuff. If you steal something that you love instead of paying for it, the people who make the things you love might not be able to make any more. Well, let me let me equate this to back when I was teaching. Oh, it was a 100-level class, and I had a section of it on copyright. And this was for the creatives, right, Bert? Sure. Uh, I used to always teach that if people are no longer able to make money doing what they love, then they will no longer do the things that they love. If people can't make money, if artists can't make money drawing pictures, making music, doing silly, nerdy podcasts, then they're not going to continue to do them. Likewise, if a game designer can't make money doing a game, they're not going to continue to do it. And the argument is, well, now the game designer's a big corporate, nameless, faceless entity. That's not true. That makes it even worse because... You're not hurting the people that are the nameless, faceless. You're hurting the people that are probably still paycheck to paycheck doing the daily grind for that company. You're hurting right, the people the writing people the music em- and playing. Or even emptying the waste baskets in the office building. Mm-hmm. So I don't often take the moral high ground. Right. We don't often discuss uh, topics that can be viewed as political or that uh you know this isn't political this is just you know i play an asshole on the internet but when it really comes down to it if i'm if i need to help somebody i'm going to help somebody and no one is hurting to the point where they can't go and get a copy of ocarina time i think it's on the switch store go buy a switch play it right 
I would love to play it on my PC. I would love to see it rendered with ray tracing and all of the fancy schmancy effects that my NVIDIA graphics card will give it. But I just can't do it. It would be different if Nintendo blessed it, I guess. Right, right. I could see that. Or if Nintendo, you know, if Nintendo partnered with them, you know, they said, okay, we'll, uh, you know, we'll let people buy the ROM for, you know, X fee, and then you can put their overlay over it. Right. You and, know and, I mean? and I get it. They're not making any money. It's a labor of love, yada, yada, yada. It's just the wrong labor of love. And I. I can't get behind it when it forces the piracy issue. So, there you go. I've taken the moral high ground. Hey, you know where else I took the moral high ground this week? Where's At least that, I think it's the moral high ground. I guess the world disagreed with me. It's on Twitter. You know, I'm back on the Twitter machine. Oh, Lord. You took the moral high ground on Twitter? Well, I don't know if I took the moral high ground, but I smacked down some pussies. No, I, ironically, I actually got some positive feedback on the Twitter machine, and um, we we gained a lovely new listener. I want to say hello to Rachel, and Rachel gave me some positive feedback from the female perspective because you know I like right. I like to wobble the warriors online a little bit. The whole inclusivity, gross disgusting, overarching push in the tabletop role-playing world. And I said, it never went away. You know, in three decades of gaming, I never once experienced, because there were, there were these guys, as always, online, talking about how, oh, you know, we're pushing women out, and I've seen people get shoved away from tables or told they couldn't play because they're female or they're gay or whatever the fuck they are. You know, they're my little ponies. I, I can't say that because that's actually a subgroup that I might offend. But I said, you know, I've been playing for 30 years. I have had all of that representation at my table. I've never felt the need to wave a flag about it. And I've never experienced not once someone say you can't play. The answer is, what, you want to play? Yeah, come, come here, let me show you, let me get you a set of dice. Absolutely, it's, you know, here, uh, you know, oh, you need help? Well, let's start with uh, character. What do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Yeah, I mean, I've played with men, women, gay, straight, you know, everybody on the spectrum, doesn't matter. If you want to play and we can get along at the table, the only time I've had people to be told they can't play is when they... Yeah, if you're Made a dick bag, you, you right. gotta go. But that has nothing to do with any of the magical boxes that you check off on your demographic sheet. Right, exactly. It has nothing to do with that. It's all a matter of personalities. Because from all the people I've played with, the only time I've ever seen somebody get pushed away from the table was when they were ruining it for everybody else. Well, dearest Rachel decided to, to jump into a conversation where, you know, I was getting bombarded by the wokey pokies and um she says and i quote i've been playing DD since back in the 80s and guys were quite frankly always thrilled to have a girl playing ryan's not bullshitting you guys are making way too much out of this by the way i love the show <laughs> i said well thank you thank you thank you you know this is a, a new thing she chimed in again and she said, I never heard that argument until the 2000s when chicks online complained about people saying that. I honestly don't think it's real. I think that the girls didn't like the game, the style, or the personality and went with the go-to excuse. So, thank you. I have estrogen backing up my theory. You can no longer call me a misogynist in this argument. Notice I qualified it in this argument. Now, Rachel, if you want to come and DM, pull the titties out while you do it, we're not going to complain. A little throwback to to last week for you, Bert. <laughs> to last week. Well, uh, an, uh, as a, a new listener, Rachel, welcome aboard. Glad to have you. And uh, thanks for sticking up with Ryan. He needs somebody to shield him from the trolls once in a while. Well, you know, I need to polish the shell a couple days a week. I actually did invite her on, and she's like, yeah, you know, I'm not doing a podcast. Plus, you know, I get it, the stigma. 
But good for her for having more balls than most of the guys on that thread. So thanks, Rachel. I will uh, send you your check next week. <laughs> but yay, vindication on the most vile platform that I can think of, which is Twitter. Right. I, I know how much you like uh, Twitter. What did, how did Alec Guinness, Alec Guinness describe it? A greater hive of scum and villainy. Oh, no, wait. That was Mose Eisley. Sorry. Yeah, no, Twitter Twitter definitely does one better. I've already been blocked by a couple of blue check marks, which I think is amazing. One of which was going back and forth with me on this very article. That's why she jumped in, because a blue check mark was trying to, I don't know, maybe secure some publishing or something. And uh, here we go. I said, it's bullshit. People have always wanted people to play. So, ah, say la vie, say la vie. A blue check mark, huh? So somebody who's uh, verified on Twitter has already started beating you up. You must be doing something out there, Ryan. Well, since I've been on, you know, I'm, I'm new to the Twitter machine since I've quit for several years. And I did notice that they must have been handing out these fucking check marks like candy, because I don't know who any of these fucking people are, and they all have the blue check mark. So uh, Hmm. I'm kind of glad that I am not even a pimple on the ass of the Twitter radar, because maybe maybe it's like a cult. You have to have some sort of strange initiation to get your check mark. (laughs) Let's hope not. Well, to pull me out of these warm fuzzy feelings that I get from Twitter because I'm surrounded by I and in this case I am surrounded by what up Rachel um I have a list well we do like our list what's this one right this is the top 10 potions in Dungeons and Dragons so top 10 you mean best most useful the 10 best potions as posed by the article okay so Skipping through the article, I'm going to start at the bottom of the list, which with the potion that I ironically think should be at the top of the list. Now, knowing that, what do you think it is? Uh, potion of healing. Potion of healing, number ten. A little ironic, don't you think? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, if you don't have a cleric or healing magic, potion of healing is what keeps you alive. And and even if you do have a cleric or healing magic, every party member should have a potion of healing on them at all times, if at all possible. Absolutely agree with you 100%. It's part of the like utility kit for any adventure. You get separated from the party, you could die without it. You know when you don't have a potion of healing? When they don't fucking exist like in Dragonlance. That's when you <laughs> don't have a potion of healing. Coming soon to a tabletop near you. Number nine... Potion of Speed. Now, I'm not arguing the positioning on the list, because lists are fucking lists, but I do see the value of a Potion of Speed, but not necessarily the value for every class to benefit. If I were going to make a list, and I certainly wouldn't do 10, because 10 is too fucking many of anything. If I were to make a top 3 or a top 5 list, I Mm -hmm. don't think the Potion of Speed would make it, because... Every party doesn't always have a distinct benefit from that potion of speed, you know. Yeah, the a potion of speed benefits mostly warriors. You know, your your heavy hitters, things like that, could benefit most from a potion of speed. But for your spellcasters and things like that, a potion of speed doesn't even make the doesn't wouldn't even make the top twenty for useful potions for like a wizard. No. there's no clear real reason for it to be there other than they needed to fill out their list because they can't accept what I've come to accept, which is short and pithy is better. (laughs) Next up, the Potion of Invulnerability. Now, this one would be on my list because as a dungeon master, first of all, they are few and far between unless the party is able to craft one And if the party can craft one, you better watch your components, Dungeon Master. (laughs) Not to mention, it is a pretty badass potion. All damage, one minute, negated. Right, I mean, that is amazing. It it allows you to do so many things that you couldn't normally do. But like you said, I mean, potion of immortality, or potion of, 
in vulnerability has to be right up there with water from the fountain of youth. It's got to be a rare thing. Nobody's sitting there like chugging them like Gatorade. At least I certainly hope not. Well, you never know, you know. D&D is now skewing towards a video game in philosophy if you read these guys online. But I digress. We're not going there. Everybody knows what I think of the... So no, I mean, potion of, in, potion of invulnerability, useful, yes. Obtainable, probably no. Or if you do attain it, it's one, and that party better really carefully decide when to use it. Exactly. I'm going to skim through a few of them. Potion of mind reading, very situational. Yeah. I don't even think it would be in my short list Potion of Maximum Power, again, excellent potion, but does it always apply to every class? No. When I look at no. the perfect potion, it has to be utility. It has to apply to every character all the time. Potion of Giant Size, uh, again, same again, deal. Yeah. I don't yeah, want I mean, a Giant Size Rogue. Yeah, no, no. And, uh, you know, a Giant Size Wizard really doesn't help either, you know? I'm really big casting the spell that does the same damage. Next up, not so much a potion, but the good old oil of sharpness. Now that's a useful that's a useful item. Again, though, it's going to depend on the character. You know, not every character uses a blade, and not every character, uh, you know, would benefit from it. Again, absolutely. I once had a monk that was played by a PC that I didn't really care for. And he always complained that I didn't give out enough potions and oils and stuff like that. So I kept dropping oils of sharpness for the monk. Because <laughs> I'm a bastard. Oh, I bet he loved you. Oh, he did. What's up, Tim? <laughs> uh, next up. Potion of Flying. Potion of flying. Uh, this is a toss-up. Every character can certainly use it. Sure. It is situational, but mm -hmm. not pigeonholing. No. You know, maybe you just want to fly up to get the damsel in the tower. Maybe you want to sneak and do some reconnaissance on the dragon's lair. Maybe you just need to jump over a really big gap. I think potion of flying I can't bitch about. Right, I think that one makes the list. It's a good utility potion. Any character can benefit from it unless by some strange stroke of, you know, oddity you have a character that can already fly. Every character can benefit from potion of flying. Well, then we are in agreement. Potion of flying, potion of healing, potion of invulnerability so far are the ones that we agree with. Right. Next up, probably one that will also make our grade, the Potion of Invisibility. Potion of Invisibility is a lot of help for stealthy characters. I mean, obviously, the uh, the caveat is, you know, if your character is going to take any aggressive action, then that negates the invisibility. So it's not like you can drink it as a wizard and then cast Fireball, you know, but... You can use it to do things like maneuver into position where you can affect the greatest number of opponents. I was going to so, say, you can drink it as a wizard and cast Fireball, but you're visible after you make that, that cast. Right. right. So, so, I mean, it, it's situational. It can be used by every character. does have limitations, though. There some characters it's going to benefit more than others. I agree. I agree. I think it is more of a... Once you get to the level where it can be easily attained or created, having a party supply is probably a good thing, unlike the Potion of Healing, where that's sort of a must-have. Agreed. I mean, one is a ha one, uh, Potion of Healing is a must-have. You know, need it. You're going to use it, believe me. Potion of Invisibility, you know, you could hold on to it for a while before a situation comes up where you actually need it. And last but not least... The only potion I actually will not allow in a game. You want to take a stab at it? Huh. I think it's too much for too little. No, no idea. And it's it, it's not 
it's not crazy. You know, it's not insta-blow-up the bad guys. It's not you um, immediately are all-seeing. But it's just a little bit too much. And it has been since 3rd edition. It's the Potion of Heroism. Oh. You familiar with the Potion of Heroism, or you want a refresher? Give me a refresher. I remember the name, but I don't remember all the effects. Potion of Heroism gives you 10 temp hit points for an hour. Right? Great. Right. It also effectively gives you the bless condition. Okay. So that is an extra D4 on your attack roll and saving throws for an hour every time, all the time. It's a little too much for a potion, especially for a third level potion. I'm going to actually look it up. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it lasts for an hour. Second of all, the, uh, you know, an extra D4 damage and, you know, blesses, you know, so it combines temporary hit points with the blessed condition. I can see why you wouldn't allow it in your game. You know, it, it really makes it difficult to sort of match the party to the, you know what I mean, to to combatants. I think it's a two-in-one. It's not, like I said, it's not overpowered. Right. It's not as though the conditions are hard to achieve, but I think it's just too much for one package. Potion of Heroism okay. has a category in 5th edition of rare, has a suggested price of 180 gold pieces. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's too much for too little. <laughs> I mean, rare, uh, they make them rare, which is good, but, you know, the for that price, I can't think of anything really else that you could buy at that price that would give you, you know, that sort of, that kind of bump. You know what I mean? To give you a comparison of other potion costs that are in that ballpark, Mm-hmm. An elixir of health, right? Okay. Potion of fire breath, which is three uses. Right. Uh, potion of greater healing. Which is always good. Which is, yeah. which is, you know, great. It's a healing potion. Potion of water breathing, which is akin to the bless, right? Right. I would... Uh, but not and, the bless and the temp. True. True. I... And Potion of Water Breathing, I'm surprised, didn't make the list. Like the Potion of Invisibility, it's something every character that can use. It's something that is situational, and you might hold on to it for a while when before you use it. But I can see it being a lot more practical or a lot more helpful than some of the other potions that were suggested. Oh, absolutely. And some of the other potions that were suggested, you know, Flying, Invisibility, they're very rare. Potion of, of Heroism... If you've got a level one alchemist, you can probably buy it from their shop. Hmm. I'm just eyeballing a list of potions right now. Right. To see where I get a double effect. And I'm not seeing a double effect anywhere on the list. Except Hmm. for the potion of heroism. Maybe I'm being nitpicky. Never liked it. But that's... Ten potions that you can't live without in Dungeons & Dragons. Kind of a lackluster list. I'm, I'm, I'm very disappointed in The Gamer. Right. I mean, if, you, if we were going to do a top five utility potions, like it would have to be, like you said, uh, it would have to be something that every character can get some sort of positive use out of. It would have to be something that, um, you know, that's going to... How do I want to put this? That isn't going to sort of break the game or, you know, do something that's going to, like like you said, the potion of heroism, you feel like it's too much for too little. I can see you, I can see your point there. I mean, there's no other twofers that I know of from potions. So if we but, were going to substitute out something that was not on the list for the potion of heroism, what would be your substitute? What What potion that wasn't mentioned do you think ought to get the nod? Potion of water breathing would probably be the first one that I go to uh, at that point. I mean, water breathing is something that any party could benefit from. It's situational, but I mean, all of us have been at, uh, 
you know, have been, you know, you, oh, your character gets pulled into the lake, you start drowning, or your character has to, you know, figure out, you know, what's at the bottom of the well. A potion of water breathing will come in handy a lot more often, you know, than some of the other types of potions that they recommend. So I would put potion of water breathing on my utility list kind of near the top. What about you? I I would pick the good old generic potion of resistance. Oh, that's a good choice. It's utility. It applies to everybody. It, you know, works in multiple situations. And um, it costs 100 gold pieces more for one resistance (laughs) (laughs) than the potion of heroism. No, I think good old potion of resistance. Again, I'm looking for those things that, that can apply to everybody. Because I'm such an inclusive guy that I've had bitches at my table since the 80s. <sighs> News to the world, my friend. News to the world. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's time for the news of the week, too. What's in the news this week, Ryan? Oh, as always, we have such an interesting week. Hey, talking about uh chick that I met only back when I was a child, then as a teenager, lusted over, and now I think she's a pretty dreamy Gen Xer, Christina Ricci, Wednesday from the Adams Family Films. Right. What about her? She has signed with Netflix for the Wednesday series. And we'll return to the Adams Family universe. As an adult Wednesday Adams? <laughs> this is the news that Adams Family fans have been hoping for forever. Um, not necessarily as Wednesday. Her okay. role is yet to be disclosed, but she is said to be, quote, a major part of the live-action show directed by Tim Burton and produced by Barry Sonnenfeld, both the director and producer from the film series that we all know and love. God, I miss Raul Julia. Don't you? Although, I I have one word, or two words for you, I guess. M. Bison. (laughs) I, I still, I mean, he was over the top. He was... A caricature of a character. I, I, True. It was beautiful casting for a not-so-beautiful film. Anyway, True, I mean. back to Bug-Eyed Christie. Hey, baby. Uh, Ricci's role and details about it are being kept under wraps to protect a surprise for the fan. But she does play a new character and not an older version of Wednesday. Oh, okay. I, I thought this would be sort of her reprising her role as Wednesday. Wouldn't that so be really plays... cool? Like a middle-aged Wednesday Adams series? <laughs> right. I mean, I would basically, watch. Right. Basically being raised. What, what did being raised by Morticia and Gomez turn Wednesday into as an adult? Speaking of Morticia and Gomez, we know that those two roles have already been cast with Catherine Zeta Jones and Luis Guzman in, in the respective roles. I, I don't disagree with either of those. I, I, I do disagree that Gomez now, since Julia, apparently always has to be played by, what's the right word? Is it Latinx? 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 Lynx? Uh, Ocarina of Time? Lynx of the Past? I just, I'm on it. I'm, on, I'm just on it tonight, Berth. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Richie's starring us alongside of, uh, of those two as her folks, so to speak. But she's not going to be Wednesday. Huh. Interesting. I wonder who she is playing. I'll, I'll be curious to find that out now. I'll. You said this is a Netflix series. Any release date on it? No release date yet. Probably 2023 or 2024. Eyeballing some things. This show has not even wrapped yet. So they still got to do post and all of that good stuff. So it's a ways away. Understood. So something to keep our eyes on. Yes, yes. But interesting, interesting news. For everyone's favorite little goth girl. Next up, also near and dear to my heart, some Final Fantasy VI news. We know that the Pixel remaster for Final Fantasies 1 through 6, 
they've all been released now. And right. I'm sure, unless you've been living under a rock or really hate Final Fantasy, you've probably at least YouTubed the opera scene that was redone in the new 2D, 3D style. Right, I have seen that, uh, and I thought it was excellently done. Well, Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster's opera scene, it was released by Square Enix, had an entire development team dedicated just to the opera. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I, I posited a question on the Twitter machine this week, although I'm back on Facebook. They lifted the mystery I shouldn't have been banned ban. But I posited the question, why the hell did they not just do Final Fantasy VI in 2D HD? That was the game that is crying. It's the perfect template to be a 2D HD game. Hmm. Thinking about it, I could see it fitting that format actually really well. I don't see it being a hard translation. They already have the engine that they've used now for Octopath and the opera scene, and their newest release, which escapes my mind right now. So it's not something that's not being worked with. You know, it's a tool in their tool bag. Right, absolutely. I mean, there's no reason that they couldn't make a killing by doing that. Uh, You know, any fan of the Final Fantasy series has to have six as part of their top five anyway. I was going to say, it's top three or top five material, hands down. Absolutely. And why, so why wouldn't you, you know, milk that cash cow for all you can, right? So, well, because <laughs> they don't want me to buy it for a 28th time, apparently. And you would. I would. I would. Sticking to the video game theme, there's a new movement online, Bert. A lot of folks, or a lot of vocal folks, you know, I have my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory that the numbers of the most vocal people probably aren't as large as they want us to know. The movement is saying that we should stop treating people that cheat at games as the enemy. Hmm. Cheating is born out of a love for the game. Did you know that, Bert? No. Yes, yes. Going after cheaters online, it's really attacking the gaming community. Don't you know that the studios and the game developers are to blame? And by having blanket, you cheat, you get caught, you're banned policies, you're hurting people's feelings. Hmm. I pushed the button, and I had the sound all the way down. But you know it was coming. There it is. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Can't say, uh... Can't say I ever thought about it like that, but thinking about it like that, I think that's a little ridiculous. I mean, if we're playing poker, and I'm cheating you out of money, are you going to sue Bicycle? Or are you going to blame me? Well... It's funny you use that, that, that analogy because we used to play in a poker game where we had someone that cheated and tried to cheat their so-called friends out of money. You remember that poker game, don't you? I do. Never play poker with a magician, folks. And and if you do, make sure it's a bad magician like, like ours was so that you at least knew that he was cheating. <laughs> um. You're absolutely right. You don't blame the cards. You don't blame the table. You don't blame the chairs. You don't blame the beverages. You blame the person that made the conscious decision to cheat. Right. They say cheating is born out of the love of the game. No, cheating is born out of the, out of the you know, inability to accept that you're not winning. Hey, thank goodness I have that ability because I haven't won a board game, by the way. <laughs> that we have played now for about four months. <laughs> I am not. I am not high in the victory level either. The last board game that I won was Terraforming Mars. Well, you are Mister Terraforming Mars, so I would. I would expect nothing less of you. But uh, yeah, but that was 
one out of probably the last 10 board games I played. I normally place somewhere middle of the pack. Second or third is usually right where I wind up. Well, maybe next time we'll bring something new to the table to horse around with. And that's going to be the upcoming My Little Pony tabletop role-playing game. Oh, Lord, no. Oh, Lord, yes. And um, it gets better. It's being produced by a legitimate studio. Renegade Game Studios is captaining this ship. I mean, no offense to the bronies out there, but I have no desire to play a slice of life with Pinkie Pie. And hasn't that ship also sailed? A little bit too. Uh, it's not quite what it used to be. If I'm, if I'm correct, now I don't know. I might be out of touch with my My Little Pony crew. Right. I mean, I you know, I I have no problems with people who love the show or who love the products, who buy the toys. You know, collect what you love, people. I don't. You know, that's all on you. But I really don't have any desire to role play in that universe. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Well. You could begin by creating your own unique My Little Pony character. <laughs> it's an 80-page journal-slash-hardcover book that includes a character sheet, character creation prompts, history pages, and space to record the lovely adventures of your little pony. Mm. Uh, the RPG comes with a line of accessories, of course, so not only do you need your adventure book, but there will be adventure screens, DM screens, a dice set, a dice bag, and a deluxe version of the character journal. The My Little Pony role-playing game and deluxe core rulebook are up for pre-order and should be shipping later in 2022. The pre-orders come with a PDF of the rulebook at no additional cost. So, Renegade Studios given a PDF with the hard copy. That's what I pulled out of this article. Again, I, I could care less about the My Little Pony universe, but more publishers need to take that step. I want to know who get, decides what gets rebooted from our childhood, because My Little Pony is definitely not the first thing that I would have selected from our childhood. To base a role-playing game on. Well, to be fair... I mean, obviously fair, the show got rebooted and... Yeah, it's, it's not the My Little Pony from our childhood. It is the um, very cute, very big-eyed My Little Pony reboot that found a home in the hearts of very confused millennials. And that <laughs> that's the My Little Pony that they are basing the tabletop role-playing game on. Fair enough, I... Don't know anything about the reboot. I know that a lot of people like it, but other than that, I I'm not a brony. So have watched a handful of partial episodes because my daughter was a pre-tween when it was peaking. Oh, okay. And and so you know, <laughs> I have to. I'm covering myself, right? Um, no, but. Um, yeah, she was a, a pre-tween slash tween when it was at its peak. So, of course, she gave it a look. And, um, yeah, I I just don't get it. But, hey, if there's money to be made, strap on the feedback, Renegade Studios. Good for you. Switching gears from the tabletop gaming world to the PC gaming world, a little ditty called... Laysara Summit Kingdom is hmm. a interesting brand new city builder. So, of course, you knew my eyeballs caught this article when it scrolled across my page. Uh, of course it did. I mean, you know, how many hours are you up to now? I don't know. A lot. A lot. <laughs> 2,100 plus in, in city skylines. But um, zero on this one. I guess I'll have to pick it up and, and give it some time. But uh, Lacera Summit Kingdom is a city builder with production chain challenges, extreme weather, and yaks. As yaks. In, as in the animals, because you are literally building on a mountainside. 
Ah, well, a yak would be useful then. So you, know? you have yaks, you have avalanches to contend with, you have supply chain and logistics, but instead of the traditional city builder, you know, horizontal, now it's vertical. So it's a whole ah. different perspective. And a whole different set of challenges to deal with, it seems like. Indeed, indeed. It is due out on Steam later this year, but the Steam page and the preview pages are up. They have some reveal trailers and some gameplay trailers on YouTube. It is a very pretty, interesting take on the City Builder. Hmm. It will... I'll take your word for it. I mean, I haven't been a huge City Builder fan, not since going back to, like, Act Razor and Populous, so... Well, <laughs> I've always uh, sunk way too many hours into City Builders, as we have more than adequately documented, but this City Builder closes out our news for the week, Bert, so put it on your wish list, send me a copy, uh, send me a... <laughs> yep, ending the news with the City Builders. Oh, that makes sense, knowing you. Well, you know, every once in a while I pull a little stroke. That sounds vaguely personal. <laughs> Careful now. We get enough complaints about me. You're the nice <laughs> guy, remember? Right, right. right. Somebody, somebody's got to be the straight man to your, uh, to your comedy, right? Oh, I, I appreciate you, and and I definitely think that uh, if ever I had to pick a straight man, it would be you. <laughs> well, that, thank you for that, Ryan. <laughs> thank you. Just let that one go, huh? Right. I, I appreciate that comment in the spirit it was given. Wink, Question winks, mark? grin, grin. <laughs> I did buy you lunch yesterday. There is that. All did right, did so. anybody guess right on the on the uh, Facebook on which was my lunch? Uh, we had a couple public guesses. Interestingly enough, more people tend to send messages, which okay. is curious. A uh, couple people, I mean, it was a coin flip, right? Sure. Uh, your wife got it wrong. She did. <laughs> uh, if you didn't see on the Nerd Cognito Facebook page and on the Nerd Cognito Twitter, at Nerd Cognito or Facebook.com slash Nerd Cognito, uh, Bert and I had a man date yesterday. We uh, pretended that we were 75 years old. We hitched our pants up to our nipples and we went to the casino for a late, morning slash early afternoon excursion and at the casino we partook in some fat man foodies and we invited you to guess who ate what the choices were chili and cheese dog or bacon burger with a fried egg and well obviously the results are out Bert had the chili and cheese dog and I had the bacon burger which was a mess man they were sloppy i mean the uh the the food quality like the taste was great but they were messy like that was a five napkin job easy it is a good thing i wasn't trying to get some from you bert because <laughs> i i looked like a pig eating that thing it's good to know you know if i ever take a lady to the casino or if i ever yeah, take that <laughs> Who's the lady I'm going to take? The boss upstairs. Uh, don't order that burger because it would be a mess. Right. It is not date night food. But it, it is, was tasty. It is most certainly not date night food. Oh, don't mind me. I just got shit falling everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a tasty burger. I'll give them credit, you know, as far as uh, casino fare goes. Not bad. Not bad. We were uh, talking yesterday while we were piddling our pennies away in the slot machines about our gaming experience from earlier in the week and the moment that everybody's been waiting for is our thoughts on the current hotness, Arc Nova. Right, I mean, as... Mr. Terraforming Mars, everybody is saying that Ark Nova is 
better than terraforming Mars. So I had to, I had to know. We dropped everything, and that was what we put on the table. We actually were set up to play Mezzo uh, for a review here on Nerd Cognito, and had the ability to get our grimy little hands on Arc Nova, and we tore down Mezzo and put up Arc Nova. For those of you that don't know. Arc Nova is a strategy board game where you plan and design a modern, scientifically managed zoo. Your ultimate goal is to be the most successful financially, or quasi-financially, as per the game, zoo establishment, and the most conservation-friendly zoo establishment. So it has a balanced victory track. Um, You build buildings... You put your animals in your enclosure. It's got a ton of animals, 255-card deck that includes animals, what they call specialists, which are pretty much just support cards of all kind, Uh, different enclosures, conservation projects, and uh, all of that is on a unique player board that also deals with a common game board for all players. So... There's a whole lot in the Arc Nova package. Most, there is most certainly a heavy game. Yeah, I mean, the you've got each individual player has their own board, which is basically their zoo. In the center board, you have like your uh, recruiting track, and then your victory point track for conservation, your victory point track for ticket sales, and your zoo's financial feasibility. And then in the middle, you had like your your what is it popularity or influence track that you can use for recruiting so it made for uh there there's a lot there there's a lot to there's a whole lot going on all the damn time Mm -hmm. and i think that's my biggest criticism of it uh i love a deep heavy euro i really do um but this one had a lot going on and um that was probably the biggest negative the the positives are are everything that you said the scoring is a unique balance component where you have to manage all aspects of your zoo if you want to effectively score Uh, having the sideboards and the side tracks is just something else to keep in mind not specifically a lot of head-to-head it was probably 80 20 Group solitaire to head-to-head competition. Right. I mean, there were some cards that affected other players or that would allow you to, you know, make things difficult for other players. Um, But they normally wound up, like, um, being as a result of something that you would... Like, you didn't choose to do that. It was a result of something else that you did. Like, I played... What was it? I played an animal that let me steal money from Mike. Right. Like, right. <laughs> the, the, it was like, oh, I play this animal. Oh, whoever has the most uh, conservation is going to give me five bucks. Bro, you know? why you got to go after me? Just because I'm in first place? That's what the card says. You know? <laughs> now, the other thing that was interesting was, um, before we jump into our thoughts about the game and things like that, I think we have to take a minute to talk about the... Um, mechanic as far as the ranking the actions that you take because basically you had um there were like five there were six actions that you could take five of them there were cards for the depending on where that card fell on your personal board it would be more powerful if it was further along the track right the the actions effectively cycled along a track uh numbered one to five with five being the most powerful. I don't know. What, what do you think? Uh, strongest strongest benefit for the game? Because you are Mr. Terraforming Mars, and this is the Terraforming Mars killer, so to speak. Now, I mean, everybody's saying that. Personally, um, I liked the game for different reasons than Terraforming Mars, but the first thing that comes to mind is because you're building your own zoo and you're building your own enclosure, it's very difficult for somebody to, you know, prevent you from getting the resources that you need, which is something that could come up in Terraforming Mars. You know, when 
somebody is, you know, when the last ocean tile goes into play, there are no more oceans. Whereas with this, the, um, the enclosures that you build and the resources there don't really run out. It's more like the game ends based on scoring rather than the fact that all of the resources are used up. Right. No, it, it definitely is very independent and dependent on the individual player boards. And right. um, like I said, I would say at best it's 20% interactive and then 80% group solitaire, which isn't a negative thing. It just may not be everybody's cup of tea. Some people like more, I guess, interplay between players. I can see that. I I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence with this one. It was well put together. There were some minor, you know, nitpicky gripes that I had about the components, but they certainly weren't bad. They were average to good. Um, wasn't a fan of the art at all. It was very terraforming Mars-ish in, in the fact that even though there were artists that contributed to the game, I still felt like I was looking at a bunch of stock photos on cards. From National Geographic or something. Right, right. As far as the building mechanic, there wasn't a lot to it if you didn't have a public or a private goal that influenced how you were going to build your zoo. I happened to have a private goal that rewarded me for having empty spaces, for not developing, hmm. which was a hamstring when I got to the middle of the game because you had to make the decision that you were either going to abandon the private goal, in my case, because I had mid-game I was faced with the decision of I either build and remain competitive or I don't build and I go after the private goal. And I honestly don't know which would have been the, the better choice. Uh, the animals were all, for the most part, unique. They had interesting abilities. But again, it was, we played it with four, and it was very long with four. The world is saying it's best with two. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I had not, uh, like, recommended number of players I wasn't sure of, but the, uh, it did wind up going very, very much longer than a game of Terraforming Mars for four people would. Box time on it is 90 to 150 minutes. We went Almost about five hours, not counting rules, for four players. Right. I was, I was going to say, we did almost double the, the max time on it, I would say. And we're not exactly you know newbies to the board game world. It, it was very long, and that was a detriment for me. No, I, I, I mean, I liked aspects a, of it, too. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I'm, I am so 50-50 on this game. I would say that I favor the game. Like, I view it positively. I will probably pick up a copy. I think it'll be a great way to, you know, kill a Saturday with some friends and, you know, order you know order lunch somewhere in the middle of the game because with more than two players it's going to run quite a bit longer but the uh would i take it over terraforming mars no i, I terraforming mars still has my vote for probably my favorite game at this point even though arc nova was i th thought good well put together like you said it was very long when you add in more players it was um Complex Very, for the sake of being complex, too, I feel. There, there was some complexity there that maybe didn't need to be. Uh, you know, they I wound up being sort of middle of the pack. I beat Mike by one point at the end. and uh, But uh, as far as everything going on with the game, you know. So why don't we do our usual, would you buy it, play it at a friend's, never play it again. <laughs> 
I'm going to add a new category, which is I wouldn't oppose it, but I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm not to the, oh, I would never play it again phase on this game. Because, like I said, it, it has some great moments. I love the theme. I mm -hmm. love the tile laying. I love the, the way that the cards work. I just didn't love the experience. Um, so, if all other things are decided and someone says we're playing Arc Nova, I wouldn't prevent it but it would not be my recommendation. Going against the, the grain, because everybody loves it, and I keep asking myself, did I miss something? Did I miss something? I'm supposed right. to really love this game, and I didn't dislike it, but I don't like it enough that I would buy a copy. I don't like it enough that, that I would recommend it for our group again. See, I do like it enough that I would buy a copy, I don't know that I would recommend it for our group again because of the time constraints that we're under when we get together to play. We only have so many hours, you know, where we feel comfortable playing on a Friday night. Well, let's put it this way. Let's say, you know, we're, we get in our DeLorean, crank that bitch up to 88 miles an hour, and it's 20 years ago. And we're starting at 11 a.m. on a Saturday afternoon. I'm still not going to have this as a recommendation, I don't think. I think I would recommend it, but only if I couldn't get everybody to play Terraforming Mars. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it, from Mr. Terraforming Mars. So, Bert overall says, go for it. He likes it. I'm kind of lukewarm on it. I'm not shitting on it, but by no means is it at the top of my list. But it is definitely climbing in the uh, popular popularity. Do you know what the uh, MSRP on it is? I believe you can order it direct from Capstone for $75. Oh, that's not too bad. And, considering everything that's in it. Right. It, it is a, it, I think it's a fair price point. Again, I would have liked a little better components. I would have liked, you know, grooved player board. Um, I thought the cards felt a little thin, but that's being nitpicky, right? Uh, like I said, overall component quality is average to good. Um, th this is me being a priss about it, and I, I like I like nice things, Bird. I'm sorry. You know, I'm I'm waiting to see because with terraforming Mars, people had concerns about you know that and. People stepped up to fill the gap, so I assume we're going to start seeing people cutting their own grouped player boards. We're going to see. Oh, know, I am showing. sure that you could three D print overlays already for it. <laughs> Just <laughs> you know, the, the hobby is insane, and that's one of the things that I love about the hobby. And the hobby is insane, and that's one of the things I can't stand about the hobby. But um, no, Arc Nova. We have a mixed bag for a mixed review here on Nerd Cognito. Right, and, and normally we like similar game styles, so it's kind of rare that we kind of oppose Like when it comes to that. You're like, uh, nope, and I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know? and, and I'm not even so much nope. It's I'm more, meh. It just True. didn't tickle my prostate. Well, we hope that this week has been dreamy for everybody. Look, dreams. We had dreams. Of the beautiful Christina Ricci. We had dreams of winning it big at the casino, which neither of us did. We had dreams of Arc Nova being the 100% knock-it-out-of-the-park game, which it wasn't. It was closer for Bert than for me. And now we have dreams of the end of the world. And I think that brings about the end of our show for this week. Please, please, please make sure that whatever podcast provider you are listening on, you have gone, subscribed, checkmarked, rang the bell, done whatever you need to do, and do us a favor and share it to your friends. The only way that we grow and can continue our fine, fine efforts is with the help of you, our fans. We cannot thank you enough for listening, subscribing, and spreading the word. 
Also, make sure that you head on over to Nerd Cognito and click on that Support the Show banner. This week is week two of our commercial-free shows. How about that, Bert? Ryan, on the week he can't apparently talk, didn't have to cut a live read. But we're oh. able to do that because of you, our fans, doing those little things, sending us a beer, calling me an asshole, but still giving me five bucks for what I do, or just using our Amazon link whenever you need to shop so that we can get a little, little cut of your purchase. Everything that you do helps us just pay the bills. You know, we're not looking to get rich. We're doing this because we love the games. We love the hobby. We love nerd culture. And, uh, hey... If it covers the cost of the hosting, we are happy, happy campers. So, do what you can. We certainly appreciate it. With that being said, my name is Ryan David. You also were listening to Bert, and we'll talk to you next week. See you next week, folks. Have a good one. No!